intention is everything. I am your host, Karen Frazier, and with me as always, my co-host, Cheryl Knight-Wilson. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Karen. Good evening. Are you ready for Valentine's Day? Um, you know, so I have to tell you this story. It's, and it's, you, you, we've talked about it off the air, um, but it's an interesting story anyway. So I, you know how we had Nancy, Nancy, I can't say Nancy Northrup without wanting yes. to say Nancy Northrup. Tongue twister. It is a tongue twister. Say it five times fast. So, you know, we had Nancy yes. Northrup uh, as our, our guest, the pennies from heaven mm-hmm. for the past yeah. um, little over a week now, I've been finding little foil Valentine hearts mm-hmm. all over my house. On my kitchen counter, in my sink, um, I found one in my entryway last night. And you said to me, "Well, are you sure that Jim is not planning a Valentine's Day surprise?" Mm-hmm. And no, Jim is okay. on the spectrum. Jim does not do surprises. Okay. Uh, so that's for starters. He doesn't do surprises, and um, he absolutely swears that he doesn't know anything about it, and he wouldn't be letting me tell people about it if it was something he was doing. And also he hates Valentine's Day because he thinks it's forced romance. <laughs> okay. So it's not Jim. No, and not only that, if Jim, if Jim, if it was Jim, it would be the day of because he never, ever, ever does anything like that in advance. Okay. So anyway, so I've been finding these little these little hearts in various places throughout my house. And what was really interesting was last week, I, when, the day I started finding them was the night before we did our Vision Collective Love Summit, where we did all of our classes on love for mm-hmm. the whole day. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting. But then I found one again last night. Yeah, I thought, okay, when you initially told me about the little hearts, I thought, okay, what's going on right now in your life? And you told me about the, the Vision Collective Love Summit. Okay, yeah. so right, makes a lot of sense. And then we're talking about, well, maybe it's an indicator that you're on the right path with that project or other projects. Yeah. I think it's so cool because we were just talking to Nancy Northrup about pennies from heaven and it, the things that, the, the little signs that appear in your life about, yeah. you know, that, that they want to tell you you're on the right path. You know, they yeah, want to lead you there or tell you that. These are something that have to have been brought in from the outside. Yeah, because I don't have stuff like that. I and neither Jim nor I can. We don't have any kids living at home, and my dogs aren't into glitter crafts, as far as I know. <laughs> so you know that kind of it, it's mysterious origins. Anyway, I don't want to get in too much about me uh, yeah. because we have a wonderful guest on the line, and I'm super excited to talk to her um, because. I kind of dig what she does because it sounds like she does a lot of things that are very similar to what I do. And I always love to hear the way that people do things. So our guest today is Natasha Rosewood. And um, she is a psychic, a psychic. I like, Natasha, that you are a psychic palm reader. You started with palm reading and then then morphed into psychic. Is that what happened? Yeah. I Looking back, I wonder if I think I was psychic back in the day, but, you know, I grew up with a very psycho mother who said, um, you don't know what you're talking about, and so I believed her. So I started reading palms and started seeing things, and I'd say to people, well, I think you're going to get a new car or you're going to Zimbabwe or you're going to find your soulmate, and they'd say, how can you see that from the lines? And I said, I have no idea, but 
then they'd come true. And then I realized, I think, kind of after the fact that, you know what, I think I might have a little psychic gift here. But I definitely started out with palmistry because the lines were something that I could uh, relate to the client and to myself and get solid information from. So I think the psychic aspect came a bit more later. Yeah, I use tarot cards kind of in the same way. I I can get the information without the tarot cards, but for me, they just make me feel a little better. Exactly. They make me feel a little more secure because when you are doing psychic work with people, there's a certain uh, hanging out from a limb kind of feeling, isn't there? It feels a little risky. And so if you have something concrete like palm, um, it's cool. And I've studied palmistry a little bit and I find palmistry really fascinating. Do you want to start there with the palmistry stuff? Because palmistry, people think, is a, a psychic science, but it's actually a physical science, isn't it? It really is. It uh, has a lot to do with astrology. And when I was younger, I looked at all the different um, uh, medium tools, you know, the tarot card, the astrology, the I Ching, numerology and palmistry. And when I found this little book on palmistry by Joyce Wilson, and I just opened it, I was instantly fascinated. It's hugely complicated. It's kind of very astrology astrologically based as I say and um, I like it because you've got the major lines on each hand of course and what I the way I do it and there are different ways of doing palmistry so the Chinese have a way the gypsies have a way you know there are different ways of reading the lines I tend to do it the the gypsy way which I think is the way Joyce taught and I start with the left hand saying that everything in the left hand is like a big overview of the movie that we chose for ourselves before we came to the life. So for me, the left hand is like the movie script. And I do say to my clients, before starting every reading, I give them a little preamble so that they understand where I'm coming from. And I say, you know, you came, before you came back into the physical realm, while you were still in spirit, you probably got together with your spirit guides and angels and said, you know what, I need to learn this and I need to do that. So you kind of wrote your own storyline and that storyline is in the left. In the right is what you're choosing to do with it. So the right hand is more like an update and changes more than the left. Okay. Your left hand is kind of like your karmic imprint is what you're saying. Exactly. And your right hand is your intention. You could say that. I'd say the left hand is the intention for the life. But as you know, we do change our minds from time to time. But I would say the right hand is the updated intention. That's fair. So I want to know, Cheryl, as she was saying that, were you staring at your left and right hands? I am fascinated with my palms right now. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I know. I I am fascinated. My hand, I thought, I bet Cheryl is too. I'm too, because I feel like what you just said is is really interesting because my left hand feels like there's so much more there with the lines. Yes. And in the right hand, there's less there and like, there's still more to come. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And you know what, Cheryl, sometimes, and I had a lady here yesterday, actually, I was looking at her left hand and in the heart line, which is the line that runs uh, from below the little finger Mm -hmm. across the palm and up to between the middle and the forefinger, Mm -hmm. or it should run up that but you know sometimes there are lines on the on different uh different places if it's kind of 
there's a lot of what I call mishmash. So mm -hmm. you have something called an island or a loop. And you can have one or you can have some joined together. If they're joined together on any line on the hand, that tends to mean struggle in that part of the life. Mm. So if it's on the heart line, you may not love yourself or you may be attracted to really bad boys, you know, mm. <laughs> or uh, you had a wicked uh, stepmother or something that really was very abusive. So I see a lot of hurt with people on their heart line, especially in the childhood. Mm -hmm. And then in the right hand, sometimes it's not as bad, which means that you've handled that event very, very well, and you've come out of it better than expected. Hmm, that's so intriguing. I mean, I'd really, I really never gotten into this subject or learned much about it. I'd really like to know more. So that's very interesting. So my left hand has on the heart line has a trident at the end of it. Yeah, that often that often happens. We we the lines fork off in different directions. Yes, and but I have, it's three on one hand and two on the other. Okay, is it two on the right? It's two on the right, but I am on my third marriage. Yeah, because any time I really have to see it, uh, Karen, to really be sure because uh, lines leave the major lines and the heart line is what I call a major line and you have lines leaving all the time and it depends on the size and the depth of them mm -hmm. uh, sometimes a good strong line leaving the heart line can mean a divorce or a separation but if you have a lot of little lines leaving your heart line it can mean a lot of abandonment or fear of abandonment or fear of loss hmm. so you know I've got to be very careful without actually seeing your palm saying, oh, yeah, it's that, Karen, right? Right. So, but often when it ends, when lines ends in, ends in forks, especially the heart line, it can mean, you know, relationships, multiple relationships. Right. It's just really interesting because I've never really, um, and I've taken palmistry classes before. It's been a while, so I, I, this is a good refresher for me. Um, but it's not something that I do with regularity. I don't read palms. I just did it because it was interesting to learn. Um, but really, looking at my right and left hands, they are quite different in the lines. So. Yes. Yeah. And, and that just really affirms it for me that although we have what we might call a destiny, a fate, a contract, an agreement, it is not written in stone. I do believe, and I've seen some people do this, really um, neutralize the karma that they came in with. So they could have had quite a tough karma. But they've really worked hard. I think I've actually done this myself because my my former life wasn't a whole lot of fun. <laughs> and I went, what's going on here? I think I can change this. And I worked very hard on myself to change some things. And as you know, there are lots of people with addictions out there and some overcome it and some don't. So I think it just, the difference in the palms and the lines just shows me that, yes, we can overcome, we can change our outcome. Pretty cool. And so that's a really great segue into the work that you do to help people change their outcomes. Because you do um, coaching and you do quantum healing yeah. and um, some other things as well. And they all tie in together, I know. But why don't you explain what it is that you do with people when somebody comes to you? Um, how do you help them? I have to say that the main thing I do, and this is always my intention, 
is to psychically feel and be empathic to the person and you know through the process of a reading or just sometimes meeting them being able to use my highly developed intuition to really hone in on where are they at in their potential you know say 10 is our highest potential a lot of people like are at three or seven or eight and I go well let's get you to 10 so People are driven by their subconscious belief systems, as you probably know that, I'm sure. And so what we are conditioned to believe in about ourselves when we're children and as we grow up, that's the programming. That goes into the subconscious. So if we're told, like I was, um, or I'm not good enough, um, excuse me, I'm stupid, I'm bad, I'm ugly, whatever it was I was told, that's going to become a belief system if I accept it. And then I'm only going to allow people, places, and events to happen to me that really kind of um, correlate with that belief system, like attracts like. So in order to change that, to change what we attract, we have to change the belief systems. So A, identify it often in a psychic reading and say, you know what, I feel like you've got all this potential, but you've got this old belief system that you're still buying into that's really holding you back. Why don't we get rid of that? Let's reframe it. And so either I will offer a past life regression and and or a quantum healing session. And the past life, obviously, is going to be something that happened in another dimensional reality. And the person will come and I will just guide them to go take a look at, um, I will suggest to their mind, their subconscious mind, where did this event happen? What were you told? What's the belief? What was the trauma? The trauma. And so then we find it and we kind of reframe it. So instead of it being them being victims and disempowered, we kind of turn it into saying, well, why did you choose this event? Because there was a gift of learning within that. And as soon as people feel validated and they understand that, well, actually, I did choose that, that re-empowers them. And I say, well, if you can choose that, you can unchoose it and choose something else. So what do you want to choose now? So the past lives are very, very powerful. Then the quantum healing, I decided to do that this year because I thought, hang on a second, I've been studying quantum physics more recently. And I went, hang on a second. I've been helping people take a leap from a a past life and a a really negative belief system into the present life with a much more positive one. Why don't I do that for people in this lifetime? So that's what I started doing. And it's a two-hour session. And I just um, asked the person to talk about their life, what happened, what is the emotion the negative emotion specifically that's still triggering you. And where does that go back to? What's the event? So again, let's reframe the event. Let's remember that we're cho- we've chosen that. So if we chose that, we can choose something different. We can look for the gift in that event. And then we can take that gift and use it as a foundation for a brand new reality. And then I ask the person, what reality do you want to create? 
Um, do you want to be rich? Do you want to have a marriage? Do you want to get out of your marriage? Do you want to be a writer? What is it that you, where, where are you most happy? Where, what's the, uh, where's the essence of your soul really going to blossom? And so they tell me, and then I put them into a kind of guided visualization, a little bit of hypnosis, and we create a story with that information and they choose the words and I take them on a journey and reinforce those new belief systems. So essentially they've been reprogrammed, but it reprogrammed according to what they want. So how, oh, I have a question. So it, this really pulls in past lives. Is that correct? You can do a past life regression, which um, is a separate thing from the quantum healing. Okay. But it, the process isn't that different, but it, it is different. So the past life, um, gosh, I've, I've brought people back. There's a story in my second book called um, Back from the Dead. And this girl was um, from Calgary, actually. And I met the parents here in BC at a corporate event. And I said, oh, you've got a daughter who's got one foot in and one foot out of the grave. And she hasn't decided yet whether she wants to live or die. And the reason is because she's left her soulmate behind in the past life. But not oh. just that, she's also very traumatized from the way he died. And so she's also feeling guilty. So this grief and this guilt are compounded. And she'd manifested, she'd come back into this life, and she'd manifested that in her body, and she had a very severe case of chronic fatigue syndrome. And anyway, oh, okay. yeah, I know. And okay. I've noticed that with people with some autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. And I, it's very anecdotal. There's nothing, you know, formal about this. This is just my intuition saying, hmm, this is interesting. You know, there seems to be a commonality, particularly with CFS. And I'm not saying everybody with CFS has some kind of traumatic past life experience that they're hanging on to, but I've had two or three people like that. And anyway, this girl, at the time, I wasn't doing past life regressions in that form. So I referred her to somebody else, or I couldn't think how it something. Anyway, she went to see somebody else. Next time I went to see her, she'd, like, come alive. Before, she looked like she was about to die. She was so waxy wow. and pale. And next, I, I couldn't get over it. I was just standing there looking at her, like, oh, wow. She was chatting and had rosy cheeks. It's like, whoa. And she'd just <laughs> come to terms. And made peace with her past and what happened. And then she was able to move forward unencumbered. It was fantastic. So, that's amazing. So when you are doing a quantum healing session, yes. how hard is it to find out that, that thing, that obstacle that is holding you back from achieving your dreams or um, whatever you want to achieve? How hard is it to find that thing? Well, it's not very hard for me because I've been doing this work for 40 years. Okay. And my, my psychic radar is like off the charts. <laughs> and I noticed that we all function in patterns, right? So there's a lot of patterns that go on. But I feel like my intuition, um, and it's wonderful to have somebody sit in front of you and just 
spill their guts about their whole life story. And I feel very honored that people trust me with that. And I sit there writing notes and I really listen to the way and the energy they attach to the word and the, or the name of the person or the age they were at and what they're not telling me. A lot of people, sometimes they don't want to face the past because it's been mm -hmm. horrific mm -hmm. or they don't want to revisit it. And we don't, I find we don't have to go into the details of the event, but just the energy of it. And I say, okay, I, I feel like you're feeling some kind of terror. Let's take a nice deep breath and let's just, you know, bring in your guides and angels and make them feel very kind of safe. And then breathe, breathe it out, breathe it out. How would you, you know, I feel like this has to do with when your mother laughed or you, you saw your parents fighting or, you know, sometimes I'll suggest things and they'll maybe break down and cry. And that's, as mean as it sounds, that's kind of what I'm going for because we're getting to the truth of it. And until they um, really acknowledge where the deep pain is, um, they're not going to be free to move forward. And after they've kind of released that and I validated their pain, I sometimes I don't know what that feels like, but I say, I can't imagine what that must feel like, but it must have been extremely painful. How did it leave you feeling about you? What's your self-image now about that? So, for example, mm -hmm. a child might see parents fighting and then the father leaves and the five-year-old child says, oh, I must have been really bad because my daddy left and I'm not good enough to be loved, Right. Mm -hmm. so that's about going back there and saying well did you realize you know you're going back and revisiting it as an adult and seeing that they just had problems and they both loved you and they tried to stay together but they couldn't because it was doable right and so that that just re restructuring reframing changes and releases that huge emotion it kind of it's like putting a pin in a balloon it just goes and it's mm -hmm. gone right mm -hmm. right amazing. so how often do past lives come into play then I know they're kind of separate you you kind of handle them separately but yeah. I guess I'm wondering how often is this trauma not from this life but it's from a past life I would I'd have to say it's pretty regularly okay and I believe, this is my thing, that on the planet right now, because we're going through ascension, the electromagnetic energy is increasing. It's urging us to wake up. Mm. Um, I almost feel like it's we're being pushed to get rid of our ghosts. Wow, so okay. the ghosts that are haunting, the ghosts that we carry within us. And I think if we don't, and if people are stubbornly holding on to that old stuff, it's going to get very intense and very, make them go a bit squirrely. I think people are going squirrely already with the stuff. Mm. And when I explain it, they go, oh my God, Natasha, that makes so much sense. And I say, you know, you just got to release. There's no point in hanging on to the old. The old yeah. is done with now. That's, now so, that's so great. powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the way you phrase it, that we, you know, we're holding on to our ghosts. I've actually never heard it phrased that way, but it's very powerful to think of it in that way. Yes. I call myself, well, I am a ghostbuster as well. Um, and I do go to houses and I've done remote ghostbusting. But, you know, when I do my past lives and my quantum healing, I feel like I'm ghostbusting live people. Wow. Okay. Mm hmm. 
Well, you kind of are. I mean, you're not even kind of, you are. Yeah. Because yeah. the yeah. thing I'm is, thinning of the planet. <laughs> yeah. There's such, so many people think that there's this divide between what we consider paranormal, right? Ghosts, things right. like that. And what we consider the metaphysical or the spiritual or the energy healing and another divide between that and what we consider scientific. And I believe that they are all in tandem, in lockstep and all just part of the same whole and that there's so much crossover between each one of them. If we don't allow ourselves to get trapped in the dogma of, of one belief system or another. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. And I just, you know, I talk about magic, but I say, well, magic is quantum physics. When you understand energy, you understand everything. Yes, I would agree with that. Do you want to expound on that a little bit? Um, Like, just maybe even from the standpoint, like if you could offer even like a story or an example of how someone and their belief systems um, and eliminating those then can create that magic and change, shift their energy. That would be great. Anything that you'd like to share about that would be lovely. Yeah. Well, I, I'll take me as an example because I love to manifest, intentionally manifest. I think we can all manifest. We can all draw people, places, and events to us, but are we getting really what we want? So this was a long time ago and I had a thyroid condition and I was very, um, I'd had some kind of treatment and I couldn't work. I was just lying on the couch half dead <laughs> and I thought, oh, I've got bills to pay. I'm self-employed. I've got no money coming in. What am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'll just manifest, you know, what do I need? $4,000 by Friday. So uh, I went and kind of, you could call it pray, but I said, I decided that I had to have it. It wasn't, please, can I have? It was, I have to have it. And I've been working on my belief systems because, you know, we all think that, oh, you have to work for money and it's got to be hard and blah, 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 blah. And I was in a place where I was powerless, but I knew, I remembered that I wasn't powerless. I was powerful. So I said to the universe, please bring me $4,000. This was on a Wednesday, about three o'clock in the afternoon. Please bring me $4,000 or more uh, by Friday at five o'clock. I have to have it. And I said, I'm going to go and watch TV or a movie while you do your thing and, and make this happen for me. I'm not going to do a thing. So off I went and lay down on the couch because I was exhausted. I had no energy. If anybody with a thorough condition knows, you're just like zonked. And the next day I felt the urge, strangely, to actually walk one block down to the mailbox. And there in the mailbox was a check for $4,123. And I went, went, well, where does this come from? And it actually had come from my mother's estate, which I had kind of um, sorted out about three months prior to that. And I knew that there was nothing in the account. And I went, okay, I'm going to go and put this in the bank before it evaporates. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and funny enough, because I had that thought, I had that little doubt, there was a little problem with the check, and I thought, there you go, Natasha, you've got to really be very pure when you're manifesting, absolutely no fear, no doubt. So that was, for me, you know, from my earlier days, when I used to believe that, oh my God, we've got to make money, and it's hard work, and only certain people get rich, and blah, blah, blah. Um, that was amazing to me. That just really reinforced 
that, and that check was just a mass of molecules of energy that I had created by deciding and setting intention for that to come into being. So how do you think then that, so you get that you, you had, you were feeling powerless. You suddenly had the light bulb click on that. I am not, and I can make this happen. Right. Um, but most people are missing, I think, that light bulb moment. So they're still walking around feeling very powerless. So how does one go from feeling powerless to remembering that they're powerful? I really believe that people who are opening up to this new vibration and, and consciousness, let's say consciousness, you know, a lot of people still living in a dark cave. And if they want to stay there, they're quite welcome to stay there. And some people say to me, as I'm sure you hear, oh, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. And I say, well, well, that's your prerogative. I'll see you next lifetime. But the people I find that are open will come to me for help. And there's lots of help. There's lots of people. I mean, there's, you know, the big names like Wayne Dye and Deepak Chopra and Dolores Cannon, all these people. There's so many teachers out there. So I think it would be hard uh, uh, to avoid getting help if you are open. And I, I'm not going to teach anybody that doesn't want to or is not willing. And I always say that God is my business manager because he brings me my clients. And the clients that come to me, and I feel very, very blessed, are normally very open to hear what where I'm at in my level. And, you know, so a lot of them want to become intuitors themselves or be coaches or some of themselves. So I, I want to say to people, uh, and that's my message, nobody has to be powerless. Uh, the information is free on the Internet now. Uh, it's all over the place. Uh, it's just a matter of, believing that there is an answer and finding the right person to give you that uh, that that answer so you can get the aha moment that applies to you personally. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, so I, I teach a lot of the same things you do probably in a little bit different ways, but very similar in concepts. But even I, with everything that I know and believe and have experienced in my life, there are times um, where I forget that I'm powerful and I forget that I can do this and I forget that it's my choice. And then all of a sudden I'll remember and I'll be like, oh my God, how could I have forgotten that? So yeah. do you find that sometimes you forget too? That Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but what, what I do do, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but you'd ask me, um, you know, what, it, what is my intentional practice? Yes. One of my intentional practices is absolutely to keep an eye on my thoughts and feelings because, you know, your thoughts can, if you start listening to the six o'clock news and believing everything that's going on, sometimes it can take you down that negative path. So I'm always watching kind of my thoughts and my feelings and am I, am I in my happy place because I want to stay always in my happy place, but absolutely I've had my moments where I've fallen off my perch, as I call it. And sometimes, though, sometimes I've needed to do that, I find. If I'm maybe grieving or I'm tired or I'm burnt out, it's like, no, I just want to be miserable for a while. Hmm. And 
I know that though I can get back up and I know how to do that. And sometimes I'll switch on YouTube and listen to one of the speakers I just mentioned Mm -hmm. or Aaron Doty, a really a guy I really love who talks about quantum quantum healing, uh, quantum physics. Um, And it just goes, oh yeah, I remember that now, of course. And I'll get back on track. So yeah, we're all human still in this, we're having this spiritual experience in this human body. But yeah, I'm very human and I do fall off my perch. Yeah, I call it getting caught up in my story. I get caught up in my story every (laughs) once in a while. Uh, Most recently for about a year after my dad died. But you know, as you said, grief is that big, heavy thing that'll sometimes drag you in that direction for a while until until you're ready to snap out of it, I guess. And I'd really like to talk about that if I could, Karen, if yeah, that's okay please. with you. Yeah. Uh, because you asked me, you know, how do I change people's belief systems? And a lot of time um, I feel that it's not just the belief system, but it, the belief system is buried under layers and layers of like, I want to call it gar, you know, it's just yucky stuff and it's kind of got this gray mass to it and there was a lady I saw um, not so long ago and she came to me for a quick reading first and I said I feel like you've got this gray mass sitting in your stomach it's not physical it feels metaphysical but it feels like a big lump of grief and it has to do with children and it turned out to be a past life and she's actually given me permission to share this story by the way um and I said, I feel like it's to do with the past life. And I, I do know that until we relief, release the grief and validate the grief and cry and feel sorry for ourselves and just let it evaporate, all the time we kind of keep it under control and push it down. That pushes down our frequency and that's when we find ourselves having car accidents or people leaving us or these negative things that happen all the time. And so when people come to me and I sense that there's grief going on with that particular lady, it's an interesting story. I said, I feel your grief in your stomach. It's something to do with the loss of children. And I said, I think it's a past life because she didn't have any children in this life. So she came back to me for past life regression. And sure enough, I asked her just to go back to the lifetime where that pain started and she said it was in the 50s in the U.S. And she felt like her two children got on a school bus and hadn't come home. And that they actually, the school bus had crashed into a river or a lake. And about seven of these children had drowned and two of them were hers. Oh. And she, we, you know, of course she cried and we released it and, and everything. And she'd actually come into this lifetime with the same partner. And she went and researched it afterwards, and sure enough, there was a crash, I think in Kentucky or somewhere like that, in the 50s, and the school bus had gone over, and she said she just really resonated it when she, you know, found out about it. But once she understood uh, what that, that, you know, unsettled energy was about, she started to, the energy started to lift, and she went from probably, you know, being afraid that she had, some god-awful tumor in her stomach, or, you know, she could feel the energy. And before it developed into cancer, she was releasing this energy. So she was starting to lighten up a lot and understand herself a lot more and what her soul journey was. So she's not going to have children in this lifetime, I don't believe, but she wants to take care of children in this lifetime. 
which is kind of interesting. And she now she's given herself permission to do that. So you said something. So holding on to this negativity or to past life trauma, yeah. that can make us sick, physically sick, or create disease. I think if we're still holding on to the grief of it. Okay. If it's the grief. Mm. And I actually want to write a book one of these days just on grief because it's such a big topic. But it's like if you imagine a river and that's that energy going down the river is your chi or your energy, and then suddenly this big tree trunk falls across and all the debris builds up. Mm-hmm. And that's the grief. That's all, that's the event. And then we don't do anything to clear the log out of the way. All the energy builds up, water spills over the side, it becomes chaotic. On the other side of the log, nothing's flowing through. It's all drying up. That's kind of how I, um, that's the metaphor I use for grief because we just, it stops us dead in our tracks. And if we don't deal with the first grief, then we, we've put ourselves in a frequency where we can attract another event and then another event. I mean, I'm shocked at how many people have very similar events. Sometimes it's rape, sometimes it's car accidents, sometimes it's being robbed or attacked. And it's because they haven't properly dealt with the first event. And so they almost have, they're still in grief and then and they've been traumatized and now they have an expectation of it's going to happen again. And because they're still in that low frequency where it happened in the first place, they're going to attract the same something the same or similar until they've healed all of it. So you're, are you saying that the negative energy that surrounds grief, is it just attracting more of that, more of that negative energy? Well, it's, it's not, I'm not, I have to be careful because I'm not saying grief unto itself is, um, you know, going to cause disease, not at all. Okay. Uh, for example, my fiance they died when I was um, 44. We just got engaged. A week later, he dropped dead. So, oh. of course, wow. I was in grief. But oh. I knew about grief, and I said, I'm going to go through it. So I guess what I'm talking about is unresolved grief. Mm-hmm. But if you grieve, and this is what I want to encourage people to do, is grieve thoroughly and properly. So you've seen the women in the Middle East, how they howl you know, when they've lost somebody in their family. That's what I think we should be doing. And in fact, the Egyptian women all get together when somebody's lost somebody. Um, I don't know if they still do it because I read this quite a few about it. Something happened a few decades ago, but I'm sure they do. And the women get together and they allow the woman what they call the first grief. And that's when we're really in shock and we're feeling the pain and we're trembling and we just can't believe it and we're angry and we don't understand and we're confused and all that horrible stuff. Um, and I think we should be doing it more like that and giving ourselves permission to to cry. And I did that. You know, I thought if somebody can't handle me crying too bad, they're going to have to go away. Or if somebody can't handle me being quiet or depressed or angry, then they can go away, but I'm going to go through my process. And I think because I did that, I got through it fast and I I got through it more healthily. But a lot of people will not give themselves permission to grieve. They'll stuff it down and they'll Mm -hmm. say, oh, I'm fine. Hate that word. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And, And it's building up inside. 
or they haven't been validated or somebody else has said them said to them oh you should be over that by now yeah and I I one of the things I do all the time with my clients is really say let's let's deal with the grief first and then let's go to the subconscious because the grief is on top of the subconscious um beliefs and so if you if you heal unresolved grief then you're not ghosting yourself you're not haunting yourself you're 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 healthy and it's okay to cry and it's okay to be depressed and it's okay to be mad and livid and enraged that the universe took your loved one from you and I, I just feel like I, I did a radio show at Christmas and there were a lot of vets on you know um, they'd been in various wars and I could just hear the grief in their voice and it's like oh my god uh, I'm going to work on an online program this year that talks about all the stuff I do and grief is going to be a big part of that because I do believe that if you let grief sit in your body for long enough, it's like a tumor and it does grow and it will create cancer and it will create sickness. I see that a lot. And I've helped people release that a lot so that illness is then dissipated and gone away because the river is flowing again. Yeah. You know, so I know as you're talking, I, I recognize that with me, Look, I come from a very waspy background. I am, you know, I am a wasp. And we we have certain social things surrounding grief, right? Yes. And th- plus we have things to take care of. Um, you know, how can I grieve when I've got my mom to worry about? Things like that. And so I, I can see that even that that I even with what I know about emotion and energy healing and everything else, that I immediately flipped out of all of my spiritual learnings and knowledge when my dad died and went right back into my my waspy background, uh, you know, stoic. <laughs> Don't cry. Take care of stuff. Tell everybody you're okay, and 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 just make sure everything's okay. Cause I had, I had books to write. I had classes to teach. I had my mother to take care of. I had, you know, stuff. I had a kid in college. I, so all of these things. And so I know that that's why it, it, why I lost myself for almost a year is because I, I just didn't do that. So as you're talking about that, about the Middle Eastern women and the wailing and the, um, I don't know I, I don't know how to overcome my wasp inbreed and my wasp breeding that I've had since I was, you know, for every day of my life, I guess. So how do you, how does somebody get past that? Well, what I would say, Karen, and what I heard you say, and I wrote about this in my first book about being psychic, like people think because you're psychic and you're spiritual, that somehow you're above being human. Yeah, but, you know, we're having a human experience here, and yeah. grief is, a, you know, probably one of the primal, most visceral experiences we can have as a human. Okay. And I just say to people, to, I say to my clients, get right into it. And if you were a child and you didn't get to have a child, would go home, crawl, crawl under the quilt, suck your thumb, drink hot chocolate with marshmallows on it, watch Disney movies, or whatever it uh, is for you that takes you back, so you can create a childhood where you you could feel that being being um, innocent or not knowing everything and really take care of the child within you. And being spiritual 
and uh, and I've been quite uh, vocal sometimes when people say, well, Natasha, you should know better because blah, blah, blah. And I said, but I'm human. So right. you can take a hike, lady, you know, if you don't like it. Right. If this is ugly to you, that just means that you're really re- um, repelling what's human about in you. And you, you're not giving me permission. So I'm giving myself permission here to be who I really am which includes being very, very human. And sometimes that's not softly spoken and gentle and blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's raging. And that's spiritual too. To me, it's the whole package. And yeah. I, I just love humanity because we're so um, we're so amazing and funny, but we're so hard on ourselves. We are. We're so hard on ourselves. And... You know, sometimes people come to me and all I've done in an hour is just give them permission to be who they are and cry and do what they love and tell their person in their life to take a hike because they're not being supported by them at, at that time. I think but, that's, that's, I don't think we're doing enough of that. I don't think we're taking the time no. to let ourselves, we're, we're so caught in the daily grind you know, exactly. day after day. And, you and you know, I'll think about, okay, I want to be more intentional, you know, in my life. I want to set intentions. And then I just get so caught up in everything. And I just, it just goes out the window. It, it doesn't happen. Story. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think this is very common. I've got a lot of spiritual colleagues. And, you know, we're all afraid sometimes to show our real human side or we're having a bad day or and I just always start the conversation by being really honest and saying well you know I got a bit burned out last year and now I'm resting and I'm taking time out and mm-hmm. I needed and it happens you know I got caught up in the intense energy and I was dealing with a lot of clients who'd lost people to suicides that really increased last year it's increasing around the world and, you know, that takes a chunk out of me. I don't take my clients home with me per se, but I still care about them and I'm thinking about them and I'm, I'm grieving. I'm grieving for those people, all the people that are feeling suicidal and giving up on life and thinking, oh, what can I do? So it's, I think it's about being spiritual is really about being vulnerable and being real and being human. Yes, I agree. Why do you think that so many people are giving up on life right now? Well, like I say, I think because the news is pretty bad. It's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's and, but I, I wrote about this in my first book because I was given a vision, lots of visions in 19, back in 1986. And I was told what the future, what would happen on the planet around this time. Actually, I thought it would come earlier, but it's come now. And they said that the energy would increase, that everything would accelerate. And because of that, it's going to make people, especially people that are hanging on to the past or trying to control the bad guys, it's going to make them very squirrely and ungrounded and there'll be road rage. You know, there was all these things, which is, as we know, this is happening. But I think for people who are of a low vibration, who don't understand the spiritual path or cleansing that we're going through all they see is the negative and they are maybe it's their karma they just came here for a certain period of time but I think a lot of them just can't see out of beyond what's right in front of the face which is very very dark there is a lot of darkness on the planet 
I feel the dark and the light are really juking it out right now. I really do. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's easy when you're, especially when you've been born vulnerable to depression, it's much easier to get kind of sucked down into that black vortex. And I see that a lot. And it's, I'm just doing what I can do, doing shows like this. Thank you very much, girls, <laughs> to get the good word out there and say, listen, this is temporary. I feel like 2021, the energy is really going to shift again. And there'll be a lot of things that will have been decided about which direction we're going in. But the energy is polarizing right now. There's the dark's getting darker, the light's getting lighter. Which side of the fence do you want to be on? Yeah, it, it seems like, and I don't know, it just seems like right now there's so much negativity out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, I don't know if you've, uh, talk to people that had addictions, but uh, my mother was an alcoholic. We had it in our family, and I've always known that it has to get right to the bottom of the barrel. It has to get really bad before mm-hmm. it can get better, and yeah. that's where I feel the planet is right now. We're just about to hit rock bottom. Oh, wow. So we have a little ways to go. <laughs> so I, I could be wrong about that, and I don't want to be negative. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think Obviously, with the coronavirus and, I mean, there's always wars, things happening. Um, I think it's going to depend, I have to say, on humanity's intention. Mm. How bad do we want it to get before we have, do, do we have to go into a train wreck or can we listen to the two by four of the head? We're kind of between the two by four of the head and the train wreck right now. Yeah, I'll take the two by four rather than the Me train wreck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. Well, do you think, though, that, I mean, I also see more people doing light work than I ever have. Exactly. In my life. And so I always refer to what's been happening for the last several years as the last pushback of the darkness. Exactly. That's what I feel. I I hope I didn't sound negative there, but absolutely I see more and more people waking up all the time and they're the people I'm seeing. I know the dark stuff is going on, but yes, absolutely. Well, good. I would like to think that, that, and you know, there's a lot of really good things that happen too. It's just that we live in this, this, if it bleeds, it leads, uh, you know, that, two-second news cycle, everybody posts everything on social media, so everybody's connected, so you know everything. And the the dark stories get more traction because they're more interesting to people. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. So that's why I was saying, you know, about my intentional practice is always to go, well, that's interesting, but it might not be real. <laughs> and that's not the whole picture. And there's a lot of beautiful people out there doing amazing work. And I'd love to start a good news channel and just really broadcast that because humanity is amazing and wonderful and funny. And I I love people. And I think, wow, you know, we'll get through this too. This too shall pass. Yeah, I agree. So with the past life regression, you do it through hypnotherapy, correct? Yes. So this is something that I'm always curious about. So I believe that we live all of our lifetimes 
at once, essentially, because it's it's really what we consider as past, present, and future is just simply for uh, the human experience. And we live outside of that in no time. And so if you believe that, then we're living all of our lives at one time. So anything I was in the past and anything I am in the future, I am right now. So if that's the case, can you hypnotically regress or progress someone to a, what they would see as a future life? Uh, well, I've, I've done that myself. And I'm, yeah. by the way, I agree with you. Um, time is just space as far as I'm concerned. Right. So we're on a continuum. Yeah. And um, I have been into a future life and I have um, asked people if they want to go visit, you know, and see where they end up. But really with the quantum healing, um, I'm doing that in this lifetime. So I'm saying let's get into your future and let's create the future, if we call it the future. Um, we're still made up of the same cells and, and personality and everything. So like you said, it's just it's at the same time. But I call it the future and I ask them where do they want to go. And they tell me. And then they go into that new riot. Let's call it a new reality or improvement or another dimension or future, whatever you want to call it, and let them have their journey. They go on this little journey, and then they come back and tell me where they went and how they felt. And a lot of people, this is my premise behind doing the quantum healing, is that, as you just said, that future already exists. So let's go visit it, and let's take a look around and see if you like it, And then let's go stay there. If it's nicer than this one, let's just go and stay there. And let's bring that reality from the future to now. So people are still dealing with the the linear thing, past, present, future. But to me, when I'm doing the work, I know that it is all happening at the same time. But they're just choosing what they're going to step into next. So when we visualize... Are we really just, I I don't even know quite how to word this because it's outside of space and time. So when I visualize um, myself, and it's usually myself in this life because this is how I understand myself as as Karen Frazier walking around on this planet. And I I do, so I, I have visualization as a practice, I guess you could say. So when I visualize those things, is that the reality, is, is that, my reality, I don't even know what I'm asking. What I think I, I know what you're asking, Karen. What? I think I know what you're asking. Okay, good. Can I jump in? I might be yeah, wrong, so I, let I me know. Words. <laughs> <laughs> let me know. This helps being an intuitive, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I think what you're asking, if I visualize this, this particular thing, is that the thing that's going to show up? Or could I visualize something else and that thing shows up? So... Is that what you were? Yeah, kind of. I mean, so when I'm visualizing, is that a reality created until I visualize something else that then becomes the reality I created? (laughs) Am I creating various (laughs) layers of reality? So this is the way I hold visualization. If I visualize something enough, I'm doing that with my thoughts and and my feelings, actually. But when you visualize something enough and you put enough thought into something, Thoughts are magnetic impulses, which eventually, if you do it enough, become matter, right? Yes. So I'm saying it's your choice what you 
visualize and manifest. Now, I've visualized a lot of things. I've, I used to be a real worry, worry about all kinds of things. Right. Imagine all kinds of things. But thankfully, most of those didn't show up. But the things I stayed with, uh, the positive things like getting the check in the mail, and I've manifested cars and relationships and houses and clothes and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they have, they have appeared. And, and I think the difference is for me, and I love your title of your show, by the way, because I say to people, if you want to manifest, you kind of set intention. It's not and decide that you're going to have it. For me, that's what intention is. I decide I'm going to have it like I did with the chat for $4,000 plus. Right. Um, it wasn't like, oh, please, can I have it? I hope it shows up. Oh, my gosh. You know, it was like, no, I 120%, I know that's not possible, but 100%, I said I'm going to have it. And so it was, I could almost feel it click in the universe and say, okay, she's, you know, it's, it's been, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. But if we kind of waffle and we go, oh, I don't know if I really want this or I really want that, I think it comes with clarity, intention, decision, truth, faith, all those good things, all those things come together in one place. And the thoughts, the molecules that you've put together then become dense matter. And bingo, bango, you've got whatever you were thinking of. Got it. I like that. My intention is, the, I'm not usually super set on like specific intentions, like I need to write this book. My intention is always to serve the highest and greatest good. And gotcha. my intention is more focused on an outcome or a feeling. So, um, and the outcome is almost always a feeling. I want to feel good. I want to feel happy. I want to feel healthy. Yeah. And those are, those are, so those are the basis for my intentions as opposed to specific things, because I have this belief that if I think about very specific things, unless I have a specific need, then I will. But uh, if I think about very specific things, I feel like I'm limiting the universe and the universe can give me much more than I can ever imagine for myself. And you know, that's very smart because I have a dear friend who gets very attached to outcomes and I say, you got to let it go because she goes, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And she wants something very specific. And I, and I say, you got to just let the universe know you want it and then walk away. Like I did watching the movie. I yeah. asked for the specific thing and I said, I'm surrendering to the universe and I'm going to go just com- become completely detached, which I think is what you're telling me you do. Yeah. Yes. And you give the universe room, <laughs> permission to bring you something better, maybe. Yeah, I, because I feel like sometimes my goals and dreams are kind of small compared to what the universe can do for me. Absolutely. So. And, you know, it's, um, ah, I just love it. I just love it because it's so, to me, it's so magical when it does. It's like, oh, look, it showed up and it's magical. And I don't always get what I ask for. And sometimes I realize after the fact and I used to do this with relationships, you know. Uh, and I go, oh, thank God I didn't get to marry that guy. <laughs> so it can really work to your benefit. And like you said, it's for the highest good of all concerns. So if it's not really good for you, probably won't show up. Or it might show up, but much later when the time is right. Right. For sure. All right. Well, we have come to the end. You've already uh, told us your intentional practice. Do you have another one you'd like to share? 
Well, you know, like a lot of people now, I'm into gratitude big time. Yeah. And I get up and I just uh, remember to thank the universe for the electricity and my husband and our place where we live and the trees, but also the little things. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel just so abundant and blessed. And I, that out of that feeling, I always want to be able to give back and, and support. So I just like to be of service to people and think, yeah, um, I ask the universe to guide me every day to say the best thing for all concerned and just be with them rather than it's not about Natasha Rosewood. It's about how am I being guided to help others. So, you know, trying to stay with that, Perfect. with that higher power yeah perfect all right so finally we have what we like to call shameless self-promotion corner you have a (laughs) website you have some books i believe you do you have a radio show right now or you have podcasts up i'm just well thank thank you karen for allowing me to shamelessly promote myself um i'm not good at bragging but anyway we're all about shameless promotion okay good well i'm going to say i've been doing readings for 45 years um, I went from doing palmistry to psychic readings, so I've been a clairvoyant, um, clairaudient, clairaudient, clair everything for a long time now. So I offer in-person readings, um, phone readings. I do for a lot of my clients all over the world, Skype and Zoom. I love the phone readings actually because I'm really tuning into. It's like being in a white padded room just with your energy, and I can do everything I do in an in-person reading except the palm reading right but if you really insist you can send me a photograph of your palms and i can read those too uh i do ghost busting i go into houses or i do those remotely and like i said do the past life regressions which are very powerful and have almost an instant effect on people or some people are instant some people take three months then i'm doing the quantum healing this year and i've written three books and i People love these books because I write with a sense of humor. And the first one is called, ah, I think I'm psychic and you can be too. So I told my stories of my reluctant psychic awakening. And then each story is followed by a little bit of teaching about what is intuition and how does it show up and how we can develop it. The second book was 20 stories from my personal and professional life as a psychic. And that's and a spirit medium. And that was called, ah, I thought you were dead. And <laughs> there are funny and tragic stories in that one too. Same format with teaching people more about what happens after we die, how to be a spirit medium, how to talk to dead people, mm-hmm. uh, understanding animal spirits, selling the memory, past lives, that kind of thing. So that's pretty interesting, I think. And then the third one, I had fun writing. It was 10 stories inspired by actual events and I've called those mostly true ghostly stories and in those stories I'm playing with the dimensions I talk about UFOs and ghosts and people disappearing and coming back and all that good stuff and I'm this year I'm writing a book on quantum healing and I want to really develop this online course I'm going to do a YouTube channel I've started that one I'm going to start a podcast as well reading the the stories from these books, teaching and maybe doing readings online as well for anybody that's interested, but also really to 
create an online course that I can take into schools and help kids understand their energy and how they can empower themselves to be healthy, happy human beings. Oh, I like that. Very good. All right. And I, your website is natasharosewood.com. And I actually have that. Um, it'll be in the show notes as well. Okay. That's awesome, Karen. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. It's been delightful. Thank you. you and, <laughs> and learning a little bit about you and what you do. Absolutely. Yes. And, and um, I know that this is going to come out on March 1st. Okay. So even though I, I will, I will spill the beans, even though this is coming out March 1st, it is currently February 13th. So happy <laughs> Valentine's day tomorrow. Thank you. My husband's just had eye surgery, so it won't be a very lively one either, but you know, we've got each other present, so it's all good. Aww. Oh, well, very good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And next time on the March 15th, we are going to be talking to um, Siobhan Smith. <laughs> 